0: We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired.
1: Welcome to episode 11 of the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Marnie duchess Marmet, and I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Mae Potter. And today, we have on the show Beth Lipton, and I'm so excited that she is with us today. Beth is a New York City-based recipe developer and food wellness writer. Her recipes and writing regularly appear in Clean Eating and Paleo magazines, and on Epicurious, Clean Plates, Furthermore, Foodnetwork.com, and more. She's the former food director at Health Magazine and the author of two cookbooks, Peaches, and you made that You made that dessert. Beth is the resident chef at Middleburg Nutrition, where she teaches one-on-one and group cooking classes. She is a graduate of the chef training program at Natural Gourmet Institute and the pastry arts program at Walnut Hill College. And she has a BA in journalism from the University of Southern California. So I'm so excited to have Beth here today. We're going to hear all about her one-pan meals, which are... So easy and simple to make. And Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. So I'm so excited to have a conversation with Beth today. We were actually accountability partners when we were both students at IIN, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And it's so nice to connect with you again after all these years, Beth.
2: Oh, likewise. I mean, I, I feel like I stalk you all over social media, so it's nice. Well, actually. I do the same.
1: So <laughs> I love seeing all your posts. Um, so tell me, tell us in a nutshell a little bit about your background.
2: So I um, I went to culinary school twice because um, <laughs> uh, I can't leave well enough alone. Uh, the first time was right after college. Um, I had studied journalism at the University of Southern California, and then um, I went to culinary school when all of my you know, smart friends were like in med school and law school. Um, And I studied pastry. And so it was like classic kind of French pastry. And I did that for a while. And then I went back, I kind of left the kitchen and went back into journalism and did a whole bunch of work at a whole bunch of different kinds of magazines and websites. And I did that for many years and always just cooked and was interested in that, but didn't do it professionally. I went to work at Hearst magazines for – Startup Women's Weekly Magazine, which uh, since folded, but um, they kind of kept throwing me all the food coverage because I was the only one who had any food background. So I was just covering that. And then one day the editor-in-chief said, I guess we should hire a food editor. And I was like, well, what about me? And she said, okay, you're the food editor. And that was like 15 plus years ago. And I was a food editor there and then at All You Magazine and then at Health Magazine. And during that process, I went back to culinary school to a health supportive culinary school here in New York City called Natural Gourmet Institute. And I studied the, I went to the chef training program there. I was already writing about healthy food and cooking healthy food and developing recipes, but I really liked school and I wanted to immerse myself in, mm-hmm. you know, in that community. Um, so I studied health supportive cooking and I did an internship in a restaurant and I um, and that sort of, and then things just kind of moved in that direction. I still write about food and wellness quite a bit, but I would say probably 70% of my job is recipe development for different magazines um, and websites. So um, I write, you know, I write for Clean Eating and Paleo Magazine and Furthermore, which is the Equinox Magazine and um, Epicurious and Food Network and a, just a bunch of others.
0: That's so cool.
2: Thank you. Cool. It sounds so exciting. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, I'm so grateful. I love my, I love, love, love my work. I never thought I would be a freelancer. I never thought I'd be out on my own. And it, it turns out I love it. You know, life is funny that way. I love it. And I love the work I do. And I can't believe that I'm able to have this as my job. Like I play with food all day. It's just the best.
0: Yeah. <laughs> sounds perfect. Um, I'm sure your family likes it as well, right? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sure you're there. Are they your guinea pigs? My husband is. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, and you know, if we, if I make something and it's needs another round, but it's not bad, he still has to eat it. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so as a recipe developer developer, what is your approach then to healthy eating and
2: how does that translate into the recipes that you develop? So I'm fortunate in that most of my recipe development work is healthy that's because I specialize in that people tend to seek me out for that. But, you know, healthy means different things to different people. So Mm -hmm. I just finished a huge project doing all these different keto desserts for eat this, not that. And it was a really fun project. And I think the desserts all came out really good. But I don't think that's something that you're going to like normally eat every day. That's something that you make as a treat, you know, and and the sort of and like the keto approach versus a paleo approach versus just like sort of a more traditional healthy eating approach. Um, they're all different and they, they're all valid in their own way, depending on what your individual needs are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it definitely healthy food and healthy eating is definitely the thrust of my work. And how did the, when you went back to
0: IIN, at what point, I guess in your career as a recipe developer, did you do that? And how maybe has that impacted or not uh, the recipes that you're developing and just kind of like your overall approach to. to
2: um, So I went back, I went to IIN. um, I was still at Health Magazine, and I had finished culinary school for the second time. And, you know, I just, I wanted, I I was interested in coaching, and I was interested in the breadth of information that um, that IIN offered about all the different dietary approaches. Um, So, I, th- I found it, you know, really useful. its not It doesn't so much play into my recipe development work as much as it plays into the rest of my writing around wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, I do write regular articles as well. Um, and then also um, I work for one of the websites I work for is called Clean Plates. And I do a lot of work for them and have worked for them for several years. And the founder um, is also an IAN graduate. And, you know, the cool thing about Clean Plates is that the whole approach to all the articles and all the work that we do there, all the projects we do there, is that it comes from the IIN approach of bioindividuality. Mm-hmm. And I find most magazines and websites and stuff, they have a very specific point of view for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Clean Plates is very open-minded and very much about exploring and curiosity around health and about finding what works for you individually as opposed to saying, you should do this you know, it's like, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? So I, I love the work I do at Clean Plates. I think Clean Plates is amazing and, um, and
1: really unique. So my ian background has really helped with that. So in terms of all these recipes you're developing, how do you think home cooking has changed in general? Are people cooking more at home? Is there a certain demand for different, like what kinds of recipes are in demand right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny in a lot of ways, home cooking is very much the same. And a lot of ways home cooking is very different. So (laughs) the ways in which it is the same over the many years I've worked in um, like consumer magazines around food. um, And again, that's like, you know, over 15 years is that we always want things to be quick and easy. We need them to be right. Because we're all so busy and our lives are so full, especially if we have families and stuff. Um, You know, we work, we have kids, all the things that we do, we have, you know, partners and friends and hobbies, and there's so many things going on, you don't want to spend an hour and a half in the kitchen making dinner. Like that's just not realistic for most people. So quick and easy is definitely, um, it, it has been and still remains something that people really want. Um, where things are different is for one thing, there's become this, um, there's a lot of, I find a lot of tribalism around food. So <laughs> you, have kind of, you have to kind of pick a side, like you're, you're plant-based or you're paleo or you're this, you're that. And so there's a lot of demand now for recipes to, to fall into one of those categories. And I find I'm hired a lot for, you know, some very sort of specific things, Um, like that. Um, But to me, the the most exciting change around food and demand and what people are looking for is that the food companies have to be much more accountable now to consumers um, in terms of what's in the food. So, um, And there have been studies on this that millennials in particular are very, um, they really are expecting to know about the origin of their food, how their food was raised, how it affects the environment, what all the individual ingredients are like that is, I think really new to millennials, um, to that generation. And I think it, it benefits everyone because quality of food to me is more important. If you, you know, you can pick a tribe and you can pick an eating style and, you know you can switch around between them and maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't but no matter what, how you're eating the quality of your food really matters. And when you have a whole group of consumers who are insisting upon knowing the origin and the quality of their food, that helps everybody.
1: Which I love that. I'm I'm so mm -hmm. happy that's the way the world is going.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can see it reflected in the products. I mean, just walk through the supermarket. Most people don't study food in the supermarket the way I do because I'm food upset. we both do. do Yeah. But, you know, most people like, you know, that's just one, one millionth of their day. So they're just kind of picking the brands and the products they want. But if you really, you guys know, if you study those packages, you can see there's a lot more information and even, you know, even the nutrition labels have changed for that reason. So exactly. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, it's a good thing. So
0: tell us about, you know, I know you've written a couple of cookbooks. Tell us about those cookbooks and how they've evolved maybe with over the last 10 to 15 years. Um, and you know where people can find them as well.
2: Um, I've written two cookbooks. Um, one one came out in 2009, um, and I always remember because I gave birth to that and my daughter the same year. Um, <laughs> not at the same time, but um, <laughs> that one's called "You Made That Dessert," and the it's it's not healthy. It's straight up desserts, white flour, white sugar, all of that. But the idea behind it is that. Even if you can't cook at all, even if you have zero skills in the kitchen, you can't even boil water, you can open this book to any page and make any of the desserts because I explain everything in like minute detail so that there's no confusion because I found that a lot of cookbooks assume a certain background and I just looked around among my friends and a lot of them just didn't have, you know, they didn't grow up in the kitchen with their moms, they didn't, or dads, like there just wasn't that kind of. Um, That kind of like basic cooking information, but they wanted to sometimes make something. So the book was meant for that. And then a few years ago, I wrote another book about peaches. It's part of a series called short stack editions. And there are these digest sized books that are all single subject. Um, So my subject was peaches and it was so much fun. So there's, I don't know, 25 or so recipes in the book. If you go to short, if you Google short stack editions, and maybe we'll put it in the show notes, you can, you can find mine, but you can find all the other ones too. And you can buy like a four pack and get different ingredients. So really, it's actually a really nice holiday gift to give somebody, not necessarily just mine, but all the short stack books. Um, So that was really fun. And I was, I was definitely more doing more healthy cooking and recipe development at that time, although that book specifically isn't meant, isn't meant that way. So it, it doesn't have a healthy food bent to it. Um, and so those are the two books I've contributed to other books as well, but those are my two cookbooks. Um, and then most of, my, most of my recipes that I develop for magazines and stuff, I try to put in my Instagram, um, either the full recipe or a link to it. Um, so that's how you can find my stuff.
0: And speaking of Instagram, do you think with all the food photos everywhere, you know, especially for Marnie and I, probably the people that we follow, you end up looking at all these beautiful food photos. Do you think that has, you know, sparked an increase in at least an interest that people have of getting back in the kitchen a little bit more? I
2: I mean, I hope so. I sometimes worry that people, it help it makes people feel more intimidated Mm -hmm. when they see these gorgeous photos I, I worry sometimes, I don't know if that's true, but I worry sometimes that it makes people feel more pressured. And then they kind of have this feeling of like, well, I can't make my food look like that. So just forget it. Right. Um, so I hope that's not what happens. I hope it's more inspiring than, than that. Um, but I mean, I, you know, I, I, like everybody, I have kind of mixed feelings about social media. I mean, I'm on it all the time, but um, I hope it I hope it's doing us good. I don't know. Right. <laughs>
1: right. So I know we talked a little bit about your cookbooks, but I'm super excited to learn more about this one pan meal course yeah. that you've written. And just in general, if we can talk about one pan meals.
2: Yeah. So, so Give I, our listeners some tips. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I, did, I created two courses with Clean Eating Magazine. Um, one of them is Easy No Mess One Pan Meals, and the other is High Protein Meals for Energy and Fat Loss. Um, And they're both like, they're both really fun. There's a ton of video, lots of recipes and tons and tons of tips. Um, And the one pan meals one, we didn't pick a pan. So, I mean, we picked three. So um, it covers sheet pans, Dutch ovens and skillets. So no matter what your sort of pan of choice is, there's a ton for you. Um, So that's what I, that's what I love about the course.
1: That's so awesome. And can you just explain what that means? A one pan meal
0: right like yeah. are you really just using one pan and how do you you know cook a variety of different types of vegetables and meats that need different cooking times
2: yeah that's a great question yeah so the idea really is that you're only using one pan you may need to use like a a bowl to whisk something you know to whisk a sauce or something but the idea is to really really minimize and in terms of cooking you're only using the one vessel um and so a lot of what we cover is just what you're saying that you know it's you don't want your one pan meal to be one texture and one flavor you want to have that variety. So we offer a lot of tips for how to do that. And a lot of it is around timing, um, knowing kind of your ingredients a little bit. So if you have, let's say you have, um, some potatoes or another or a root vegetable, something that's more dense. And then you have some lighter vegetables, maybe you have broccoli or peppers or something like that, how you can cook them both on the same pan and have them both have the texture that they are supposed to have. Um, so how to do that. Um, and there's tons and tons of tips. Like one of them um, is to like, if you're using a sheet pan, for example, is to make three different packets out of parchment and you cook, each mm. you cook different things in each packet. Oh, so that's a good idea. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so that is, and it's like stuff is not, it's not sort of intuitive. It's just like a tip, right? right? So that way you have three different things going on. And when you serve the meal, it's as if you cooked in three different vessels, but you just used one sheet mm-hmm.
1: pan. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and with like with a, um, You know, we talk about how to use the broiler because when you think about a sheet pan, most people just think about roasting or or baking, but you can also use your broiler, and that saves a lot of time, as well as giving you kind of a different cooking experience. Um, And with a skillet, you know, kind of the idea of like cooking your protein and then taking it out of the pan and deglazing the pan and maybe adding your vegetables then, and either adding the meat back later or just letting it rest, and just all about how to do the timing so that. It's not stressful, and you really learn how to get the most out of that one vessel. And then when you're done with dinner, you don't have a mountain of dishes to wash because nobody wants that.
0: No, and I, I don't.
2: <laughs> I love cooking, but I I mm-hmm. hate the cleanup time. Yeah, who uh, doesn't? The end, yeah. You don't do that. You've had a busy day, you cooked a meal. Go you, because that's not easy to do at the end of the day. Right, and you want after all that is a mountain of dishes. Exactly,
0: right. especially when you have to leave. Take your kids somewhere and then you come home like two hours later to like a a sink full of dirty dishes. It just drives me. That's just a way to ruin my night.
2: (laughs) No joke. Yeah. You want to relax at that point. So
1: would you say the one pan meals are pretty easy for people in terms of stress? You know, Mm -hmm. are there a lot of ingredients to shop for and a lot of prep or what would you say the involvement is in general?
2: Um, It varies a little bit, but ultimately the goal For one pan meals, and really for everything that I do, is simplicity. Um, So um, ingredients that you can find in the supermarket, not having to go to 10 different stores to find specialty ingredients. Um, Ingredients that fit within your budget. So maybe you're going to spend a little extra if you're doing like a holiday meal. But for the average weeknight dinner, you know, most of us don't have a gajillion dollars to spend. So how to kind of maximize that? Because I, to me, it's there's so much stress, potential stress involved around cooking. So to me, when I look at a course like this, I'm looking at how to minimize stress through the whole process, deciding what to make, shopping for ingredients, cooking the meal and cleaning up and serving it to your family too, because it doesn't matter how healthy it is if nobody's eating it, right? What? And you've wasted your time and your money and you feel terrible. So- the food has to be delicious. Like that's a given. Um, So I tried to think about the stress through the entire process and see where it could be minimized. Um, And definitely not looking at a recipe that has 20 ingredients. Because I mean, I cook for a living and I'm not going to do that on the average weeknight. So I don't expect somebody who's not food obsessed to do that. That's so valuable because I think
0: most, you know, articles and cookbooks and things that you read, unless they're geared towards, you know, quick 30-minute meals, they're not taking into, into account the stress factor mm-hmm. for the average
2: chef, right? Mm-hmm. We know because of our IN background that the, that the stress of it affects the whole meal, you right, know? Right. <laughs> yes. right? How you feel when you sit down at that table, it matters. It affects the mood for everyone sitting at the table. It affects how well you digest your food. So healthy eating isn't just the collection of nutrients on your plate. Healthy eating is, is all of it.
0: Oh my gosh. I love, love that. I mean, because if you think about, you want to have a nice conversation with your family, but if you sit down with them and you're stressed and you're mad and you're angry and they're hungry, I mean, the energy in the room is enough to like make your stomach like, you know, do circles without even eating the food yet. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's not going to help with your digestion either. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's such a great point. And what about just like spices and, you know, how you can cook similar things. So like just from a grocery shopping and meal prep and meal planning, how you can really change up a meal with
2: just some spice, a variety of spices or. um, Yeah, I mean, spices and, and fresh herbs, too. But, you know, that's a little bit more loaded because they're perishable. But spices, I think, are such in in our sort of Western culture, a very underutilized tool. So not only to change up the flavor of your food, but spices actually add a ton of nutrition to your food as well. It's like a gift Mm -hmm. from nature, right? It makes your food taste better and it's better for you. Um, So what I always tell people to do is, especially if you're kind of cooking the same foods over and over again, which I know is something that people do, They either they buy food in bulk, you know, you go to like Costco or whatever and you get a whole bunch of chicken, or you're dealing with people, you know, different people in your family who have different tastes and they only like, you know, the whole collection of people at the table only likes these seven foods. (laughs) So so part of managing that is making those foods um, fresh and new every time you serve them. Um, And one way to do that is with spices. And um, it's great to have a huge variety of spices in your spice cabinet if you have space for it and sort of the patience for it. But I think also something to remember about spices, they don't go bad. They're not, they're not going to be bad for you, but they do lose their potency. Mm -hmm. So if you, and you can tell right away, right? The, The color fades and the aroma fades. So I mean, if you have a jar of a spice and you haven't used it since you moved into your house six years ago, throw it away. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Think about it; just throw it away. Um, But if you're not sure, if it's been six months or a year, and you're just not sure, all you have to do is open up that jar and look at it and smell it. And if it looks faded and it doesn't have a bright aroma, then it's it's no longer going to have the potency that you want. Um, so if you can buy your spices in bulk, you know, like, I mean, and Whole Foods does that, but other stores do that too. I think Sprouts does it also. Um, and your local store may do it. It's always a great idea to buy things, buy bulk spices and just buy a smaller amount. If you have a spice in your spice cabinet that you bought for some recipe and you don't even remember what it tastes like, I have been there. Um, I recommend sprinkling a little bit on something neutral, like scrambled eggs, um, and just sort of relearning what that flavor is and then using it, you know, use it on your chicken, use it on your broccoli or your potatoes or whatever kind of neutral food you have. I think spice blends are a great tool, especially for people, you know, if you're, if you tend to like make, you gotta make dinner in like 10 minutes, a spice blend is just a fantastic tool because. Um, you don't have to worry about mixing and matching. You're only messing up one spoon. Like it's, or just your fingers. Like it's super easy. So, um, you know, um, taco seasoning, Italian seasoning, curry is a spice blend. Zatar is a spice blend. It's Mediterranean. So, you know, find the ones that you like and use them. And I, somebody said something to me recently, like, oh, isn't that cheating? And I was like, listen, I am all about cheating. Yeah. It's going to help you get a delicious dinner on the table. Oh my God! Cheat by all means. Right. Exactly Think about it. Yeah.
1: What are your um like top three favorite spices?
2: Oh, that's like picking a favorite child. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> or Spice blends or something. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you know, I always say this, and it's sort of funny. Like I'm, it's not very chefy, but I really like onion powder and garlic powder. Mm-hmm. Um, I use them for very specific re- things. I don't like raw garlic. So um, I find, I just feel like it takes over. So garlic powder is really nice when you don't have time to cook the garlic or um, the recipe for one reason or another doesn't allow for it. And also um, texture wise. So like for meatballs, I make meatballs all the time and I always use garlic powder and onion powder because I don't particularly like that experience of having like the little pieces of onion and garlic. I'm not saying it's wrong to have it. If you like it, do it, but I don't particularly like it. So I use onion powder and garlic powder for that. Um, I always have cinnamon. I always have. I mean, I, you should mm-hmm. see my spice rack; it's ridiculous. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do use a lot of blends. Um, I created a taco seasoning blend for a Clean Eating Magazine, and I, ha- I have some of it, and I use it. Um, I made that myself, but you can buy a good taco seasoning blend. Um, I love Zatar. Um, I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, herbs de Provence is really nice, really nice blend. Yeah, yeah. But I, I really think it, there isn't any right or wrong when it comes to this. You know, different people. You may come from a culture that uses specific spices. So um, if that's true for you, then you know, definitely lean on that. Do you have
0: any tips on selecting a spice? Like, I know sometimes people will ask me, like, oh, but what about the sodium? You know, some of the spice blends are loaded with a lot of salt. So do you have any? tips when you're looking kind of going to being in the grocery store and looking at a label.
2: So I think spices are, you know, we talked about budget earlier, but I think spices are a place that it's, it's, if you're going to spend a little more money, spices are a good place to do that because you get a lot for your money. So I, I tend to buy organic spices. um, And again, you're going to have a little sticker shock, but just remember, you're going to have that jar. You're going to use it for a number of different dishes. And then just check the label. And if there's, you know, if you see an ingredient that you don't recognize, it's just like anything else. I wouldn't buy it if I don't know what it is. Um, And that is something to watch out for with taco seasoning because some of them are full of, like, anti-caking agents and things like that. You don't need
1: that. need that. and um, where can people find you? Like they want to buy your cookbooks. They want to follow your Instagram. Right. Where are you?
2: Yeah. Um, well, Instagram is definitely the, e- I mean, I have a website, BethLipton.com, but um, I think Instagram is the best place to look for me because I post recipes there and stuff. Um, and my, my Instagram is cookiepie0402. And how, okay. where,
1: did, where did you get the cookie pie? Yeah. I always
2: wonder. <laughs> so cookie pie is what my mother calls me. Oh, <laughs> I'm in my forties and my mother still, to this day, calls me cookie pie. So. so sweet. Well, maybe
0: that's how you ended up in, you know, pastry chef school, right? You always <laughs> Yeah. And then 0402 is my daughter's birthday. Okay, got so. it. Um, so one question we always ask all of our guests is mm-hmm. what does the art of living well
2: mean to you? So to me, the art, I think that's such a beautiful question and something we probably all don't think about enough Um, but to me, the art of living well is, is living the life that works for you so that you can give to others. So, you know, I think we as women and we as parents and all of that, we tend to like, just our instinct is just to give, 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 give. And that's not a bad instinct, but you really have to take care of yourself in order to show up in the world and all the different ways that we show up in the best way that you can. So really figuring out what are those things that you need to do. Like I need to work out every day. I need to meditate if I don't, and I need to sleep. Mm -hmm. If I don't do those things, I can't, I just, I can't show up and be who I want to be for all the things I want to do. So figure, take the time for yourself to figure out what those sort of non-negotiables are for you and let yourself have them because not only is it going to make your life more pleasant for yourself, which is a valid enough reason to do it. But it's also going to allow you to give the most of yourself in the best way that you can to all the people and things that you want to give it to.
1: That's that was so that
0: was so beautiful. That was exactly what I was thinking. I mean, <laughs> thank you. What a great way to end the interview, actually.
1: And wonderful. actually, one more thing, Beth, if people want to buy your courses, you have a code, right? I do.
2: Yes. Um, I, I'll give you the URLs to put in your show notes. And if you use the code Beth Saves, you get thirty percent off. Awesome. And you know, one question I did want to ask about the course is how long is it? They're considered what clean eating calls crash courses, so they're they're like meant to be done over a weekend. They're pretty short. It's not like a six week course. Okay. Uh, definitely like more bite sized, so you can kind of take the information and run. Perfect.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you yeah. so much for being on the show.
2: Thanks
0: for
1: having me. It's really an honor. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. I am so ready for our liver detox and group coaching program to start on January 13th.
0: Oh, I'm right there with you, Marnie. This holiday season has been so much fun, but come January, I know my liver needs a break and I'm ready to just remove a lot of the toxins that um, that are in our body. And I've been consuming a few more of them lately.
1: Totally. And coming home from vacation and just starting out the new year where you give your system a break to reduce inflammation and improve your digestion. It's a seven-day liver detox. There's um, support and accountability.
0: We're going to have an amazing group. um, And you'll get full access to Marnie and myself on a daily basis. You also get recipes that are liver detox friendly and easy and delicious to make for you and your family.
1: We would love to have you join our community. We're going to be offering two different programs. The first one is the seven-day functional medicine liver detox. And this year we're including a five-week add-on option called Nourish to Flourish in the New Decade. And we're doing that because we've heard from a lot of our clients that they um, are feeling like it's really hard to just jump back into life after the seven day detox, right? They want more. Exactly, so. so they feel so
0: great, but then they're trying to figure out how to incorporate some of the new habits that they learned into everyday life. And we can also work with you through adding back additional foods that you had eliminated over the seven days, help you navigate with that. We're gonna offer weekly live
1: video sessions. There's gonna be private daily support. For this community. And we're going to be covering topics, you know, mindset-related, sleep, stress, and anxiety, and a whole host of other topics that... um, Will really help you dive in
0: and hone in on maybe why you're making certain choices. Or, you know, a lot of us with the mindless eating, we want to really dive in and focus on getting to the root of some of our behaviors.
1: And then empower you to shift your mindset so you can really start to incorporate these habits into your daily life exactly so if you want to sign up we'd love to have you join this amazing community go on over to theartoflivingwell.us backslash programs and you can get a lot of more detailed information and certainly reach out to us if you have any questions and we'd love to have you as part of our community happy new year thank you so much for listening to the art of living well podcast